it's, a, it's such an honor to be up here. I had a chance for the first time back in January uh, to speak to the church. Um, and the honor part of it, really, is what happens up until I step up on the stage. I got like all these texts all week long of people who were praying for me. And I got texts of what people prayed for me. And it was so powerful and so encouraging and such an influence that as I step up here today, I know that because of that prayer, uh, what's going to be said is what God wants to be said. And for those of you out there who were part of sending me those texts, man, uh, thank you so much. I'm super grateful that you all are here because it's 4th of July weekend. I mean, July 3rd, you know, typically lots of people out on vacation, uh, but you're here, so we know who the real Christians are. Uh, No, not really, not really. I'm going on vacation later today, so. Uh, But 4th of July, it kind of creates a lot of memories or a lot of images when you go through the weekend. Like you get this image of the 4th of July parade. You know, we're going to have a big 4th of July parade in, uh, in Friendswood tomorrow, which is an exciting event. And then you also have kind of the family barbecue. You know, maybe some of you will be gathering tomorrow uh, with family and friends, good food, good time. And then, I mean, the big part of Fourth of July, fireworks. Who doesn't love fireworks? I mean, entertainment, great time. I see kids out there, your face is smiling like, oh, we like some fireworks. And then, of course, what everybody associates with Fourth of July is the mattress sale. (laughs) I mean, if you open the paper... If you look online, in fact, I noticed this morning the Sunday papers were wrapped with the big mattress firm ad. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I actually work for a mattress firm. Uh, I've been in the mattress business for 24 years now. And so, you know, 4th of July for us means mattress sale. Well, as part of my job, I spend a lot of time looking at the cost of things. And then my job is to then determine based on the cost How much should we sell it for? And when you think about decisions that we all make in our lives, the idea of the cost of it, we make those types of decisions all the time. Maybe some of you this summer are planning a vacation. And you said, you know, we got to plan how much this is going to cost, where we're going to go. Do we want to pay the price? Or maybe you purchase something for your home. And you think about the cost. Do we want to do it or do we not? I mean, even the idea of going out to eat. Should we go here or should we go there? Counting the cost of things, we do it all the time in all aspects of life. But did you know that Jesus Christ himself talked about cost? And he talked about counting the cost. And in fact, he was very specific in his scripture on the cost of really being a disciple of his. You know, we talk a lot of times at church about grace and the cross, and those are all awesome things. But we don't always talk about the fact of what it cost to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to truly be his disciple. Not just to pretend, but to truly. And we're going to try to unpack that today as we talk. Now, in a room like this, surely there are some folks who have very much made their decision to surrender to Jesus Christ. And so for those of you who are in that group, today as you hear this message, really important message to understand so that we can fully follow him. But then I would also assume that there are people in here who maybe haven't made that decision yet. You're not exactly sure. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe you're not interested. Maybe you go to church just because you've always gone to church. Well, for that group, I want to encourage you in this message as well. Because as you hear the scripture unfold and what Jesus taught us, I think what you'll find is what Jesus offers more than anything else as a follower of him 
is a life filled with meaning and purpose. And my hope is that as we unpack that, you'll get a perspective on that as well. But the challenge for us in this room, especially for us in this room, is that this is really hard for us to not only be a full disciple of Jesus Christ, but quite frankly, to fully capture what Jesus Christ himself offers. He said it himself, and I want you to listen to some of these verses of how Jesus frames this up. This is the difficulty for us who sit here in these seats today. In Matthew 19, 23 through 24, Jesus said, and the verses will come up on the screen so you'll see them, but he said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And let me just answer this question for all of us real quick. Yes, if you are here, you are rich. You are rich. This is to us. Then in Luke 13, uh, verse 24, Jesus says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. The door's narrow. It's a door. In fact, I laughed one time. I saw uh, a sign outside of a restaurant. It said, there's a stairway to heaven and a highway to hell, probably indicative of the traffic flow. <laughs> In Matthew then 7, 23 and 24, my humble opinion, uh, two of the most sobering verses in all of the scripture. When Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? I mean, who's he talking to? He's talking about followers. He's talking about people who are doing things in his name. He's not talking about people who haven't surrendered to him. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If those verses don't get your attention, then much of scripture won't get your attention. When I read those verses, I think oftentimes that, you know what, that, is that me? Is that me, Lord? Do I share Jesus? Do I try to encourage my family? Do I try to do the things that you do? And then there could be a day when I step in front of you and you say to me, be gone. You practiced lawlessness. See, I am super interested in comfortable and convenient Christianity. I want comfort. I want convenience. I want easy. I think that's promoted in our society today. And I mean, look, if they were to have, you had to stand in a line, if you're interested in that Christianity, I'm telling you, I'm fighting you for the front. I want to be in the front. But honestly, that's not what the scripture offers. And it especially doesn't offer that when it comes to following Jesus Christ. So my question is, what about you? You know, where do you live? How do you think about your walk with Jesus Christ, your faith. Do you want comfort and convenience? It's just not there. In fact, Jesus issues this great challenge, and he's very clear in Luke 9, 23 through 25. And Jesus was saying to them all, as we sit here and we listen to his words, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits himself? Or some translations I like, they say, and forfeits his soul. What do you gain? 
I translate that scripture as, look, if I get everything I want in this world today, here on this planet, everything I want, you name it, run the list. We all have our own lists. If I get it all, but then I give up eternity with Jesus Christ, what kind of exchange is that? Exchange the eternal. We want the eternal, not the temporal. But this is the challenge that he sets. Look, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Well, as I have contemplated this verse and then the Luke verses that we'll tackle in just a minute over the last few months as, as, as this topic came up, um, two questions uh, the Spirit really put on me, two questions I asked myself, but I want to share those questions with you today. But before I share them, I want to ask you to do something. I think you all can relate to this, that life is very busy. Life is very busy. I describe it as fast and loud. That's how life can be. And sometimes when we come here on a Sunday morning, it's hard to get quiet and slow down. And so I'm going to share two questions. But my request of you is if you will really, really consider your answer to these questions. In the quiet of your seat, in your heart, with the creator who designed you, answer this question between you and God. And the first question is this, what has following Jesus cost you? What has following Jesus cost you in your life? Don't worry, I didn't lose my place. I want to give you a little bit of time to answer the question. Then the second question is this. When have you been uncomfortable or inconvenienced for the sake of Jesus Christ? When have you been uncomfortable or inconvenienced for the sake of your relationship with Jesus Christ? My prayer as I sit up here today is that God will, just with each of you, give you a chance to be honest with him and determine where it is, the cost. I've wrestled with these questions now for a couple months as I've contemplated these verses. And I had points in time where I was like, honestly, Lord, I don't know that it's cost me that much. And the thing that we'll be tempted to do when we consider those questions is we'll want to make it relative and compare it to others. And the Bible does such a great job of describing the foolishness. They compared themselves against themselves, and they were fools for doing it. That's not how we decide if it's cost us anything. It's between you and the Lord. You want to pray a bold prayer? Ask God to make you uncomfortable and inconvenienced. For the sake of Jesus Christ. Now I will warn you though. When you do. And when he answers it. Don't freak out. Because you'll want to. Because it doesn't feel good. Uncomfortable and inconvenient. But that is the life. Of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
So we're going to take a look today and spend time in Luke 14, uh, verses 25 through 35, those verses in particular. Because in this group of verses is where Jesus really spells out. Count the cost, and here is the cost. Here is what it can cost you. And it is likely here is what it will cost you. These are really hard verses. Like, for anybody who's new today, like, if you came to church or anybody, you come to church and you're like, man, I like those messages that are positive and they lift me up. And then I'm, when I'm headed out, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, gonna, I'm so excited. Uh, that's probably not going to happen today. Um, but not by intent. But we're going to dig right into the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word, I love how he said in the book of John, he said, the truth sets you free. The truth of the scripture sets you free. We spend our, so much of our lives hearing what's most important from out there, not necessarily enough time spending in this and what is really true. And that's what our time here for uh, the balance of my, uh, I think, 12 minutes and 48 seconds uh, we will spend digging into up here. So I want to pick up in Luke 14, verse 25. And we're going to read it in chunks, and we're going to take a look at it through the lens of what does it cost? This is Jesus delivering a message on what it costs. Now, large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Those are really strong words. In fact, I always envision the disciples when Jesus is teaching that, of like this lesson, and then there's a couple other things that Jesus teaches that afterwards are like, really, Lord? Did you have to say it like that? Don't we want people to follow you? Don't we want them part of what we're doing? I mean, hate your mother and your father and your sister and your brother? That's strong words. Well, for just a tiny bit of context before anyone panics, I will tell you, that when it comes to the word hate, the Greek word that was used actually doesn't mean the emotion of hate that we might uh, know ourselves. In fact, the Greek word means to love someone less than someone else. Or this idea of to renounce one choice over another. Jesus' perspective here is like, look, if my relationship with you isn't so much more important than every other relationship that you have, that's a problem. I will not be second to anyone. But Jesus tells us one of the first things that being his disciple can cost us, and it can cost us relationships. It can cost us relationships. Maybe many of you have had the experience where you have decided to follow a path according to the scripture or to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus, and it affected the relationship. Sometimes it affects the relationship permanently. Other times, it's just a little bit. I remember I worked with a guy, and his wife had been diagnosed with cancer. And he and I were having a conversation about it, and, and he wasn't a follower of Jesus. We had had a little bit of conversation about that before. And I remember in his office, as he was describing this to me, I you know, was like, man, we should pray about this. Let's pray that God would bring healing. So I asked him, I said, hey, would you be okay if we... Uh, if I prayed for you and we prayed about this, and he's like, man, that'd be great if you prayed. I said, well, let's pray right now. And he was like, what? What do you mean right now? Like, out loud? Yeah, let's pray. We pray right now. He's like, uh, no, Craig. I don't pray out loud. Not interested in that. No, thank you. And it was so uncomfortable because I just assumed that we would pray, and he 
did not have any interest in that. And I remember it was the most awkward feeling. And then I'd see him in the hallway and see him in meetings for a little while, and it was uncomfortable. Now, that didn't cost a relationship, but it sure did make for a little bit of an awkward relationship. I know many folks have lost a relationship because of the pursuit of following Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells us right here, it will cost you relationships. The second thing that it's going to cost you is it's going to cost you your personal goals. It could cost you your personal goals, your personal aspirations. He says in verse 27, if you don't carry your own cross, if you don't take on a cross, you cannot be my disciple. And that could look like different things for different people. There's a young man in our, uh, the community where I live who was headed on, had made a commitment to go on a mission trip out of the country. And this young man is also an extremely talented musician. And at the same time that he was preparing for his trip, he got a call from a group who offered him to come play with their crew for a period of time to learn. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for him to take what he loves, his musical gift, and use it with other people so that he could get much better, great exposure. Well, guess what? It happened to be at the same time he was going to go on his trip. And this young man had to make a decision. And he decided he's going on his mission trip. And he will forego this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for something that could really have paid lots of dividends down the road for him personally when you consider things on this earth. But he said, no, I'm going to go. I think that's what Jesus talks about when he says, look, it will cost you your personal aspirations, your personal goals, things you are really interested in. It will cost you. Then we'll continue in verse 28 because Jesus really starts to frame it up here when he says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build, and he was not able to finish. When you build anything, you need resources. Jesus says, ah, it's going to cost you your resources. It will cost you. It might cost you money. It might cost you emotional energy. It might cost you time. But when you think about building something, You have to bring resources to that process. You have to bring things into it. You have nothing to work with. Jesus says it's going to cost you your resources. So he says it's going to cost you your relationships. It could cost you your personal goals. It could cost you your resources to be my disciple. Then he continues and he says, Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. See, Jesus says in here when he's teaching, who doesn't count whether they're strong enough? It's going to cost you your strength. It's going to take strength to be his disciple. It is not easy. Back to the verses that he shared in the beginning. It's a narrow door. And it is not easy for a rich person to get into heaven. You know, I ask myself, why isn't it easy for a rich person to get into heaven? Like, why? I mean, I love Jesus. 
But Jesus put me here where I am. I didn't choose this time. I didn't choose this place. I didn't choose to be born who I was born to. Why now? Why is it hard if you live in an environment like this to get into heaven or to follow Jesus? And I conclude as you consider the scripture. He says, look, oftentimes the rich person, they have what they need and they don't see a need for a savior. And if you don't see a need for a savior, I believe that's who he's talking about. You know how the Bible says that you know, money is a root of all evil, doesn't say money is evil. But when we think about rich, sometimes we think about it in terms of that context. But I think Jesus means it broader than that. And it's hard when you don't see a need for a Savior. That is where the challenge can be. Jesus says, I will be second to none. You cannot serve two masters. I am first or I am last. And we choose. And I think it's a challenge. It can be a challenge in a world that we live in, in particular. And so I'll continue in verse 33 where Jesus, just in case we're not sure of exactly what he's talking about, he has a nice, quick and clean exclamation point to this one when he says, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possession. The language that's used in this teaching is so absolute. None, all, cannot. It's not like sometimes and a few of you and maybe. He doesn't use any of that language. So, so specific. That's what I think the Bible means when it says the truth. That is the truth shall set you free. We have to be willing to let go of anything that we have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus may never ask you for your money. He may never ask you for a relationship. He may never ask you for any of your stuff. But are you willing to give it to him? Are you willing to set it aside and allow him to take it? Are you willing to pray a prayer and say, Lord, what of mine, whatever you want of mine, you can have it. I will give it to you. That's a tough prayer to pray. A very tough prayer to pray. Jesus wraps up this teaching in verse 34. He says, therefore, salt is good, but even if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? You know, we're challenged to be salt, to be flavorful to a world that doesn't know him. I mean, how does a watching world get to know Jesus other than sees those following Jesus show what that life can look like? He finishes that, you know what? If we're not going to be flavorful, we're useless and we're thrown out pretty harsh it's pretty intense but it's his truth that's what he challenges us to do and this issue is an issue of willingness and i love how he wraps it up he who has ears let him hear are you listening i have a a devotional that i like to read uh, uh, in the morning and uh, the title of it's warnings for a people not listening to god one super inspirational uh title to the to the uh, to the devotional uh, the gentleman who's the author of it is a uh a, just a guy that i've been fortunate enough to uh listen to teach over the years but he wrote on one of the days this this quote and i found as though it uh, really hits home this idea of what jesus calls us to as his disciple and listen to what he writes 
He writes, if you do not seek to follow God more than life itself, if you do not long to obey him and do his will in every facet of life, there is a strong possibility that he will say to you when we meet, I never knew you. I never knew you. That scares me. It scares me because I'm back to this idea of I want comfortable and convenient Christianity. I want safety. I want ease. I want to hang out with all my Christian friends and do some praying and talk about Jesus and talk about how much we love him and throw a little cash in the basket and move along with life. That's what I want to do. But uh, that's not what Jesus says we can do if, if we want to truly be his disciple. But there is encouragement in all of this. There is encouragement. This is, I love how he writes this. In Matthew 19, 29, this is where Jesus tells us, he says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, if you have done what I have asked you to do, you will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. I like to sometimes through Scripture, this is just me, so please don't take this as being in Scripture, gospel according to McAndrews. Uh, but in the end, I always like to say, okay, Lord, but what, why? Why should I do this? I, like, I get it. I know you want me to, but why? The Bible's full of why. You will get much more if you do this, he says. And I don't know about you, but I believe that the currency of eternity has far more value than the currency of, currency of today. I think it's worth a lot more. And I'm going to bet my life on it. I have bet my life on it. I went all in for Jesus a number of years ago. I said, I put all my chips on the big G. Uh, and if I'm wrong, then so it is. But imagine if, if just for a minute that if you're a Jesus follower and you decided that, you know what, I, I, I want to I deny myself. I'll take up my cross. I'll take a risk. How much impact do you think you can make? What type of difference do you think it can make, not only in your life, but in the lives of people around you? We were talking about changed lives when we do that. See, the early church was an example of that. When you read through Acts and you see the things the early church did, I mean, they sacrificed. They were inconvenienced. They gave for each other. You read about it in in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3. I mean, it's amazing the things that they did. And I think today the body of Christ, like broad body of Christ, church, like group church, particularly here in, in, in America, but I think I feel like the church has gotten a bit stale and a bit lethargic when it comes to this, I want to go all in for Jesus. And it doesn't have to be that way. And Jesus said, he gave us the way. I mean, he says, hey, look, be my disciple. Here's what you can do. Look, for us as a group and myself, front of the line, he said, it's hard for you, Craig. It is hard for you to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I say, you're right, Lord, I can't. He says, well, of course you can't. With man, it is impossible. But with God, it is impossible. And that fully surrendered life is the way that we can do it. So I'll leave you with this. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to be inconvenienced, uncomfortable? Are you willing to get 
in a really, really awkward situation for the sake of Jesus? I mean, I pray that your answer is yes. No matter how hesitant you feel in making that choice. But that's what he challenges us with. And he tells us, look, if you will, you will inherit much more in my kingdom. Heavenly Father, uh, as I sit here and I think about the words of Jesus, Lord, I'm so grateful that you provided us with a book and with truth that tells us, here's the cost. And are we willing to risk the cost? And Father, I pray you know each person in here. You know their heart. Would you please, Lord, please reveal to them what you want them to take from this message. Reveal to them where they can pay the price. Lord, show me where I can pay the price. I will be so boldly as to pray, Lord, that we want inconvenience, we want discomfort, and we want awkward. If it means that we may prove to be your disciples, Lord. And I thank you for this day, uh, just for the honor to be here. And I pray your blessing on this church and this people. And I ask this in your name. Amen.